0: In today's episode, we are talking about all you need to know about parasites and parasite infections with Bella Lindemann. So before we jump into it today, this episode is sponsored by my Going Gluten-Free Cheat Sheet. So it's actually going to give you the tips and tricks and swaps that you need to understand how to go gluten-free and to make it real simple for you. So to get your hands on that one, just go to www.SheridanDecker.com forward slash podcast 29 because we're episode 29 so otherwise you can find that one in the show notes but hey go over hit download and let me know what you think of it hello and welcome to the empowered hormone podcast where we pull apart all those taboo topics periods parasites poos hormones and more let's question everything you've been taught about your body I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain, and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello. Today I have some pre- something pretty amazing to share. I have the privilege of speaking to one of my amazing friends slash mentor slash, I'm going to just put this out here, the lady who I have looked up to for a very, very long time, Bella Lindemann. So Bella is the owner of the Functional gut clinic and has been working as a fdn so we all know functional diagnostic nutrition because that's what i rave about since 2014 so bella is actually the founder of the functional gut clinic uh, functional gut health clinic sorry and a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner who loves to help people heal their gut so she specializes in natural protocols to address ibs so irritable bowel syndrome chronic constipation small intestinal bowel bacterial overgrowth so SIBO many of you know it as gut infections and other chronic digestive complaints so quite the intro quite the woman I'm very stoked thank you so much for being here Bella I'm blushing over here thank you it's really lovely <laughs> that's fine that's fine um, can you tell me a little bit about how you got into FDN where did it all start for you let's let's explain where you come from
1: yeah, no worries. Um, so I, let's start with symptoms. So I've been constipated my whole life. I'm obviously not anymore, but that's pretty much where it started. Um, I went through the normal process like most people do of trying to use the medical system to help me figure out what was going on in my body. And it was you know, really at the point where the constipation started snowballing into other symptoms. So I was getting bloated all the time. I was starting to develop food sensitivities, starting to get like really toxic and fatigue, I think from being backed up all the time. So skin issues, hair falling out, um, Um, One of my least favorite symptoms, actually, and at the point where everything just wasn't working and the medical system wasn't helping me, I was on like eight sachets a day of Mova Cold to make myself go to the toilet. Wow. I just—it was just time to do something about it. So, I started doing um, a couple of just more basic nutrition courses, and I stumbled across um, the FDN training um, when we were living in London in the UK. And I was only working four days a week, so I spent the fifth day um, doing the FDN training, and it was pretty much that thing that got me from managing my symptoms to addressing root causes. So that's what I do with people now. I basically use that training as well as a lot of other bits and pieces that I've done to help the clients that come into our clinic with their gut health symptoms.
0: Yeah, wow. So that's been, what do we say? So 2014, so that's been six, seven years in clinic now, is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's been a good seven years. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, time flies, and I mean, as as any clinic, your gut health clinic has grown so much in that time. Because at the start, it was mainly it was just you, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was just me. Um, We were traveling often because my husband's a photographer. So um, I took my clinic online so I could travel with him and work from anywhere in the world as long as I had that internet connection. Um, And yeah, and it grew. I think uh, in 2018, I brought on Michaela and then uh, 2019, Mark started, 2020, Anita started. And then we've just brought on two new practitioners this year as well to just help with the amount of referrals that we receive. So it's, it's a... It's an amazing space to be in right now because the science and is just growing and exploding and there's more and more information coming out and we're learning more and more about additional therapies that we can use to help people like gut hypnotherapy and stuff like that. So I'm excited for you as well. It's a great space to be in.
0: It is, yeah, and you're right. I feel like there is so much um, information coming out these days as well, and science, and there is a lot more awareness around as well. People who've never really heard of gut health all of a sudden are hearing about it and starting to understand that, hey, you know, root causes, symptoms, solutions, what's actually going on, which is, like you said, it's so so exciting, and to sort of, yeah, have built a clinic where you've grown to a size purely because they're starting to get that recognition and there's a need for it. And especially because you work with people and correct me if you're wrong, but you work with um, clients all around the world. So there's, you know, there is that push and that demand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, It's, um, it's, yeah, it's just exciting. And we're just grateful to be here to be able to support people, I think, because it's the most rewarding part of the work that you do is to be able to take people and get them back to living their normal healthy lives. Because I think you and I both know what it's like to be struggling with symptoms and to be able to just live the best version of your life that you can. And that's our ultimate goal when we work with people is just to help them achieve those life goals.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, today, everyone listening is in for quite a bit of a treat because we've yep. <laughs> got a three part series, speaking of um, symptoms. So, we're going to touch on parasites, then, we're going to touch on bacteria, and then our third part of these three episode series is going to be on microbiome restoration. So, I know that these three er- uh, areas are kind of, I would almost say, the the core of what you do is you know looking for that root cause and getting to the bottom of those digestive complaints so let's start with parasites because I feel like there's a lot more um information coming up on about parasites these days and a lot of the clients I see in clinic and I think you would as well often present with parasites
1: yes yes let's chat about parasites that's a great place to start its oh, I love talking about parasites it's one of my favorite topics
0: is it yeah well at first I used to be really like taboo about them until I think when I kind of the first I can't remember when it was but when I saw a GP I think it must have been an integrative GP in Brisbane when I first moved over whatever it was five or six years ago when um, I found out I had parasites I was like what no how How am I having a parasite and she's done yeah. you know what i reckon that's been there for a couple of years and i was like gross get yep. it out of me and i started dreaming about these parasites it's yeah. crazy um i feel like yeah they really impact you in more ways than you realize beyond digestive complaints so tell us a little bit about parasites what actually are they
1: yeah, good place to start. So let's talk about intestinal parasites. So, intestinal parasites are organisms that live and feed on a host organism at the expense of that host. So, as a human, there are lots of intestinal parasites that can get into our body and feed from the gut lining or the food and waste products that are inside our GI tract. So, they can be protozoas. So, species like Blastocystis hominis, dientamoeba fragilis, Giardia, Cryptosporidium might be some of the ones that you've heard about or worms like hookworm roundworm tapeworm or whipworm have you had any worms that you know of
0: i was gonna say i was just thinking as you're saying it um i didn't realize that worms and parasites they kind of fall under the same category there don't they i've definitely had um what's one i always have as a kid maybe uh the one that you take the tablet and chew for um uh, uh sure. that you get from the chemist i'm thinking whoa roundworm or-
1: Combantrin is the product what was that Combantrin is the product that you probably yes. took
0: yep yep yeah i would have had that as a kid for some kind of worm that we had definitely
1: i think that's threadworm that you get Combantrin for
0: ah uh, yes yeah yep. you're right yeah right <laughs> Someone told me the other day, oh, not someone told me, but I was listening to a podcast from some scientists on GI tract stuff, and they were talking about how some, one of the worms, I'm not sure what one it is, but they can hang out, quote unquote, with parasites.
1: Yes, That is very true. So basically they think that some of – I think it's pinworms. They think that pinworms actually introduced into the body via dyentamoeba fragilis. Um, So a lot of kids get um, defrag via pinworms or vice versa. I can't remember which way around. But, yeah, pretty gross, hey?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to think that, yeah, if you got one, you've possibly got the other. But, okay, so they come under the same species type. So you would – we'll probably talk about this later – but in theory – Do you would you treat them the same way or would you treat them differently?
1: Slightly differently. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about the differences if you like. Yep.
0: Yep. Cool. So other types of parasites you can get that don't live in the GI tract?
1: Yeah, good question. So um, there are other parasites called ectoparasites. And these are those lovely ticks, fleas and lice that live on the body. They don't actually live in the GI tract. Delightful species that they are. So most people have come into contact with those at some point.
0: So, okay, so they would all, I'm thinking about as a lice, I mean, who hasn't had like head lice, right? So you're speaking, they might live, yeah, on your scalp any, they can live anywhere on the body then. I think when I think of ticks, I think of our pets and stuff we've had like dogs, but I don't know that I've ever seen a tick on a human, fleas, yes, I think of dogs as well. Is that the Mm. most common place you would pick up an ectoparasite from an animal maybe?
1: Yeah, maybe. I think um, a lot of people get ticks from bushwalking. So, uh, here in um, Queensland, Noosa National Park is quite um, well known for getting ticks. Wow. Uh, yeah, they're pretty bad in that area. So, um, keep an eye out if anyone's hiking around that region because they're not great. Um, and then, yeah, lice is usually head lice, kids sharing head lice. Good fun. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I'd, I was thinking about the last going, oh, yeah, definitely kids. Kids share it mm-hmm. all around. And I suppose intestinal parasites then, would we pick them up from the environment as well or more cross-contamination from pets or...?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question too. So most commonly we get parasites from contaminated food and water. So this could be from at home or from your town water. It could be because you're drinking from creeks and streams or you're hiking or camping. It might be that you got it from a local restaurant or while you were traveling. So my big personal parasite experiences were while we were traveling around Thailand and Tanzania, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. Have you had any I was traveling.
0: Just, yeah yeah do you think I got mine in Bali so I got blasto mm-hmm. and defrag when I was in Bali and that's when I first got sick and had all the gut stuff and then had all the um autoimmune sort of thing kick off from there but mm-hmm. do you reckon it's more likely that you get them from overseas or you get them from within Australia
1: I I don't know I think we get a lot of clients who have never traveled who have like a lot of parasites. I know Northern Rivers area in Australia, Northern New South Wales is quite well known for um, blasto being in the water supply around that region. So I think it's really, you know, I think it really comes down to like, how good is your immune system? If your immune system, you know, which about 70% is in the gut. If it's functioning really, really well, you might get a parasite, but your body will deal with it. But if your body isn't and your immune system isn't firing very well, then you're at higher risk of that parasite setting up camp in your gut. So, you know, exposure wise, I don't know whether it's different between home and overseas. It's really like, where are you going to get exposed to contaminated food and water? But ultimately it's like, how good is your immune system?
0: Yeah, okay. So, in theory, if you know there was you and me and we're going camping together and I had a really poor immune system and you had a really strong immune system and we both drank the same contaminated water, so to speak, in theory, the one with the stronger immune system, you wouldn't get the parasite, but there's a bigger chance that I would pick it up and then it would um, manifest in my body.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And then how would you know? Like if, if I did pick up that parasite, um, how would you know? Is there quite obvious symptoms once you've got one?
1: Yeah, I, I think we use two key things to work out uh, if a client has parasites. The first is symptoms, and then their health history. And the second is we actually just use lab testing. So with symptoms, you don't always know right away. So sometimes you can get a really bout of horrible diarrhea and vomiting when you first get the parasite, but other times symptoms build really slowly over time. So these are the people where they get the parasites in their non-active form, like the parasite might be in its cyst form. So. Symptoms can be the classic diarrhea, constipation, bloating, gas, belching, vomiting, etc., Or they might even be completely unrelated to your GI tract. So some of the really common symptoms that we see with clients who are struggling with parasites are things like mood changes, like depression or anxiety. Back pain is really common. Weight gain or loss, sinus infections, fatigue, he- headaches, allergies or food sensitivities. And I think also, um, you know, all infections, not just parasites, we commonly see in our clients anyway, they generally result in some level of food allergies or sensitivities. And that happens when we get damage to the gut lining and when the immune system isn't functioning well, that we start to see this happen. So I don't know if you see that with your clients as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking this always comes back to that key thing. And I've listened to podcasts on this before, but just because you don't have GI symptoms, right? doesn't mean you don't need to do gi testing or stool testing because you're right something like a parasite if it if it's um manifesting symptoms like depression or anxiety or back pain or even weight gain or loss but you might not have any stomach pain or bloating you it's gonna you're gonna have quite a resistant client in a sense saying hey i really think you should get you know stool testing or parasite testing because there is a chance that you've got it and you're right i think of skin conditions and things are seeing people and then especially yeah. food sensitivities you're right is a massive one um but yeah it comes back to hey everything is linked back to your gut health
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So regardless of whether our clients have the classic GI symptoms or if they've got more um, diverse widespread symptoms throughout their body, um, if they're coming to see us because they're that symptomatic, then we're wanting to do lab testing to work out what's going on. So for parasites, we use like a DNA PCR stool test. That's sort of the best technology that we've got going on at the moment. Um, And so we would use that to screen for parasites or protozoa that are often found in the GI tract causing symptoms.
0: Yep. Yep. And that would be yeah. I'm thinking that's similar to the one that I would use on clients as well. Do you know what the technology difference is between something like a comprehensive stool test? You know, mm-hmm. whether it's a GI Map or something along those lines, GI 360 or one of those real comprehensive one. Is that as accurate as if you were just say someone is listening to this podcast going, don't want to see a practitioner right now, but I just want to test for a parasite. Is it accurate enough? If If I go to my GP and just get a, um, you know, bulk build or or whatever it is, stool test?
1: Okay, that's a really good question. Because in Australia, if you go to your GP, they can actually do a PCR test for parasites. It doesn't screen for as many as we can on more of our functional labs. But it will give you like blasto, dynetamoeba, giardia, I think crypto. Yeah. into maybe histolytica. Like I think you can get like five or six done on that lab. So it's not a bad place to start. Um, it doesn't give you a ton of information, but it is still the same type of testing, a PCR test. But you need to ask for that. You need to ask for that, not the MCS test, because the MCS test is a microscope test and that's not as accurate because a PCR test is where they run your samples through a machine and it's like, I say, this is not true at all, but like this <laughs> is the analogy I use. Um, the the PCR test is so good that it can become up like a hair on a leg of a bug whereas the microscope test the scientist is sitting behind it kind of looking for like a decent amount of the bug like maybe half a body to be able to pick up that species so right. you can kind of see there's, there's differences variations between the, the quality of the testing
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure and this might just link into what we want to continue to talk about but if you did take that route and you're like okay you know what? i've got all these symptoms don't know what the underlying cause is bella and sheridan are harping on about root causes gonna go and get this parasite tested go to your gp get it tested and you you know obviously you'll get the results from your gp would your gp treat the parasite
1: that is a good question so i mean A GP, what I'm going to say of what I do clinically is probably going to be slightly different to what a GP does. So let's have a chat through both of those things. So for us, like depending on the client, the parasite, their symptoms, it's going to change our approach so we always need to correlate symptoms if a client has no symptoms and you know in some cases you may choose not to address it um this is definitely what they would do in more of a medical paradigm if you've got no symptoms it's unlikely that your doctor will do anything about it unless it's something like giardia cryptosporidium or entamoeba histolytica they're known to cause major disturbances in the body so these parasites we you know we usually we're always addressing, but I think the medical community is more likely to eradicate those. Some parasites like blastocystis hominis or dyentamoeba fragilis are a little bit more controversial and it's because it's been found in the gut of both symptomatic and asymptomatic people. Mm. Some believe it can be considered okay and not a big problem. So that's probably more of a medical approach is like, oh, you know, a doctor, I remember my doctor said to me, oh, I've got blasto as well. It's fine. (laughs) Except he didn't have IBS and chronic constipation and all the things that I had, Yeah. Um, so I guess um, our approach, obviously, is to address all infection low, which may be contributing to symptoms. This is because as a clinic, you know, we generally see an unhealthy population, people who have symptoms. So if we can correlate blasto with the symptoms that the clients had, then we're probably going to contribute, you know, attribute that as a root cause and we're going to address it. Clinically, we've found that helps our people. All right. Um Especially, you know, blasto is highly correlated with stool changes, IBS in general, skin changes, fatigue, infective arthritis as well. Did you know blasto can move into the synovial fluid of the joints?
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's gross, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: disgusting.
1: <laughs> yeah. So in symptomatic people, I think it's important to really think about getting rid of these, these sorts of parasitic infections.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I remember learning um, back in the early days when I first sort of studying about parasites and stuff that the size of a parasite in comparison to maybe like your immune cells was quite a bit larger, so it was important to remove them out because of the damage that they could do long-term, like you said, all around their body, but as we'll probably get into later, to that leaky gut lining and then the sort of consequence of symptoms that sort of, you know, snowball from there as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Yep. So if your GP was to treat it, would a, would they treat it differently to the way that your eye would treat it?
1: Yeah, very likely. So um, your GP generally will probably use medication, so antibiotics or antiparasitics, um, whereas your eye would probably use more of a natural approach um, using natural antimicrobials. So um, I don't know what you find, but we find that antimicrobial blends work really well for parasites. So we're looking for products that typically contain. Ing- if people love to know ingredient names, um, you know, like sweet wormwood, olive leaf, black walnut hull is another really good ingredient. There's some of our favorites that we're looking for in the blends of products that we're using to help with addressing parasites. Are these sort of
0: things that you use as well? Yep. yeah, There are some, there's, oh, there's some amazing blends out there. Cause like you said, as our, as our stool testing technology has gotten better, I also think that we've also come to realize how important these herbal, you know, natural antimicrobials can be in playing a part in rebalancing that microbiome as mm-hmm. well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what we like so much about the naturals is that unlike antibiotics, they don't go in there and wipe all the good stuff out. They're usually um, really supportive of the good gut bacteria so that they're more targeted in addressing the opportunists rather than the
0: good gut bugs. It's like anything though, if you're taking natural antimicrobials for quite a long time, like if someone was just guessing and not retesting say for that parasite let's say you're like oh i know i've got a parasite i'm gonna go buy some antimicrobials and you just high dose them and you just continue for months and months correct me Mm -hmm. if i'm wrong but you're still going to then do long-term damage to your gut microbiome like you don't want to be taking um natural antimicrobials let's say forever or for six months or 12 months or something
1: Absolutely. They're still hardcore. So, um, oil of oregano or oregano, if you're in America, is a big one as well. I think um, oil of oregano is unfortunately not that good at targeting opportunistic microbes and you know the longer we use these natural products yes they start to diminish um, in terms of their effectiveness so clinically we're usually rotating herbs every four to six weeks for our clients but we still find that if you're on them I had a client recently who had been on biocidin for a year and four months and her on her we did a this is before she came to our clinic and we did a test and she didn't have any opportunistic bugs in her gut but she had a very very reduced microbiome or that good gut bacteria was all really low it was probably because she was using that natural based product for such a long period of time it's um it's not not helpful
0: so could you use something like oil of oregano um could would you use at all would you avoid it yeah
1: no i'll still use it um i think i'm just really careful where i use it i think if i have a client who has a good robust looking microbiome their immune system's not too bad um we know that we don't have a lot of uh antimicrobials for Um, you know a client who's got really parasites that are being a bit tricky to get rid of or I think also methane dominant SIBO is another situation which I might refer on to the oregano at this point but science is always changing if we get better options the oregano is gone (laughs) I'll use something else Um, but we just don't have a lot for methane dominant SIBO so that's one of the key herbs that we're using at this point in time.
0: Yeah, for sure. So alongside antimicrobials, is there a couple Mm. other things that you would prescribe as well to help remove those parasites?
1: Yeah, yep. So parasites like to get all cosy with bacteria and other organisms and form these little colonies in this stuff that we call biofilm. So for that reason, we want to address the biofilm as well. So we're often using a biofilm disruptor. We usually use it for, usually it takes I know it depends on the client, but somewhere between two weeks to three months to break down biofilm, depending on the product you're using, how much biofilm the client's got. We can't test for biofilm at the moment, so it's all a bit of guesswork here, but commonly we're using biofilm disruptors. And because we're breaking open biofilm, we're starting to kill off this parasite and we're getting die off. A lot of clients can get classic die off symptoms. So, this is like often headaches, fatigue, where they feel like their their tummy's upset, um, they feel a bit toxic. Uh, Maybe their symptoms get a little bit worse before they get better and we'll use binders. So supplements like activated charcoal or um, bentonite clay or um, zeolite powders that'll help with binding up all of the toxins and byproducts that come with the process of killing off a parasite. And I think the other really important thing for like eradicating parasites is just to really try and avoid sources of recontamination. So a big one that we see often that's hard to get rid of is Giardia because it can live in the kitchen on like your kitchen services. Um, You can, I know this is is really bad, but you can share it (laughs) by intercourse. Um, So it's common that both partners need to address that
0: parasite at the same time as well. Are there um, natural sources of biofilm that you can use? Is there things in our diet, is it different to antimicrobials or is there other things that we can take, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there, like apple cider vinegar or things that we can take to address that biofilm?
1: Yeah, I think there are definitely lots of different things that you can use to address biofilm. I think we often use like enzyme blends or yeah. uh, there's a product in America that we really like at the mo- at the moment called Priority One um, Biofilm Phase 2 Advanced yeah. that's working really well for clients. Uh, I think... Um, probably too much information, but like uh, looking on a stool test, like if you see clients that have got pseudomonas, pseudomonas is like a primary yeah. biofilm builder. So if you see that they've got pseudomonas bacteria on their stool test and they've got a parasite, we're going to make the assumption that there's probably biofilm and we'll use more of like that hardcore biofilm phase to advance product for those people.
0: Right, yep, yep, that makes sense because a biofilm really in a sense is just a shelter which the parasites or yeast or candida or bacteria, because anything can um, build biofilm, can't it? It's not just the parasites?
1: Yeah, as far as I'm aware, like parasites, bacteria, I don't know about viruses, but parasites, bacteria and yeast um, are definitely all very good at, at creating and living within biofilm.
0: Yeah, let's let's not let's not address um, biofilm and viruses at the moment. I think we've got enough yeah. going on with viruses. Let's not. Yeah. No comment on viruses. Yeah, exactly. So, do you think that parasites are hard to get rid of? If someone addressed the above, uh, the above with you know the antimicrobials, the biofilm stuff, and the binders, is it hard and does it take a long time to get rid of them?
1: Yeah, you know. Some people, it's super easy and you know, 30 60 days of natural intervention and their parasites are gone. Some people, though, it's a little bit harder, and I think it really comes down to you know, addressing other sources of like what we like to call stresses in the body. So, if their immune function. Um, is really low it makes it hard to eliminate parasites the immune system's just not helping us clear that infection the biggest impacts that we know to our immune function are the infection load itself changes to the microbiome so not having enough good gut bugs but also stress you know and that can be mental emotional stress it can be stress from eating foods that are a food sensitivity that are you know setting off our immune system um, it might be that they've got um, you know a a low back injury that's flaring all the time. And that's another big source of stress within the body. So I think really making sure that, you know, clients have dialed in their diet, we've addressed their adrenals, we're supporting their adrenals, we're supporting their mental health, making sure that they're addressing any mental, emotional sources of stress. Um, You know, just things that we can do to address the whole or support the whole immune system will help us with successfully getting rid of parasites.
0: Do you think it is or it can be overwhelming for someone to try and get rid of a parasite, especially if they, you know, maybe they've got two showing up. Like often I'll see blasto and defrag together on a stool sample Mm. and to think about, oh, wow, okay, I've got to get these antimicrobials and then between the antimicrobials I'm taking these binders and then I'm also taking this biofilm stuff. But then at the same time, you know, we're going, yes, but you need to support your adrenals or you need to support your liver so that you've got the detoxify Stop, medication going on. Plus, you know these things aren't in isolation. You don't just have a parasite. No one's ever really just got a parasite. They've got either, you know, it's acne, or there's hormone imbalance, or there's period stuff going on. So it's it's linked into that as well. So it can be, it can be really overwhelming, don't you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think at the point where people are, you know. At the point where they're coming to see us in clinic, it's probably because it's not, you know, they've tried the easy way, which is going to their doctor and getting some medication and it hasn't worked. Or they've tried to use some natural antimicrobials themselves and it hasn't worked. You know, they're still symptomatic. I think you don't often just have parasites. There's usually parasites, you know, when we test our clients, they've usually got parasites and bacteria and yeast. just you know as an example so definitely you know if you're struggling you know you've got a parasite you're struggling with quite an array of symptoms then testing will be helpful to know what's going on in your gut but also like being a bit more comprehensive about how you address it will make it um, it'll make the process easier for you as well because if you support your body the die-off won't be as bad it'll be easier to eradicate and you'll get more success from the protocol that you complete
0: yeah for sure for sure and like anything having a good practitioner like any of the women on your team or you know yourself or whoever it is having someone who not only supports you in that but does support those other things so the dietary changes the adrenals and really that mental health as well having someone who you can rely on and be like i'm bella i'm just struggling or it's not working or where do i go from here i honestly i think that's the key having the right practitioner and that level of support because Anyone can tell you what to take, you know what I mean? You can do the research yourself if you really want and race around and find the antimicrobials. Of course you can. Like there's the internet's got everything on it, let's, let's be honest. Yes. But if you've got the right person to work with, I think that makes the world of difference as well. Yeah, if that's
1: what you need, that's, that's exactly
0: right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving us the A to Z on parasites. I think that most people who listen to this are going to be like, right, I need to go and get a stool test done right now because who knows what I've got growing inside of me. So can you share for those listening uh, where they can reach you, the best places to find you and to pick your brain on information?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. So I'm looking forward to the next ones. Um, so our website is, uh, is for the Functional Gut Health Clinic. So you can Google us or uh, the website is, I have, need to update it, it's www.bellalindeman.com And it's B-E-L-L-A-L-I-N-D-E-M-A-N-N.com our facebook page is just at bella linderman and we've also got if anyone's struggling with constipation we've got a constipation masterclass um, which is just a training or an education resource that i created um, for people who are struggling with chronic constipation and i think i gave you a code so that if anyone wants to sign up they can get 150 dollars off the cost of the course if they'd like to use that so you can include that in the show notes
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, that is very, very generous of you because, oh, how many people don't struggle with constipation these days? And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's just a water issue. Like for some of you mm. out there, please drink more water. Yes, but there is plenty of us and I was one of them like you struggling with constipation for years that was one of my biggest nemesis um, yeah understanding that there is a root cause for constipation and it's not it's not always just a water issue and there is more you can do beyond laxatives so, so for those of you listening definitely go check out that course I will pop it in the show notes I'll pop that generous discount code in there as well I will pop um, links to Bella's website her blogs are amazing as well so you can can definitely go and get more information in there because I know that we've covered a lot today in this first and I have broken it up into a three-part series so that we don't overwhelm you all but anything we have talked about today I'm 99% certain that a lot of it is listed on her website